The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. If you have the ability to jot down some notes, always encourage that. God's speaking to us all individually, speaking to us together as a congregation. Uh, I want to encourage you to jot down a few things if you have the opportunity to uh, so that you can revisit them in your own time. Here's a few things that we'll look forward to as we get into the Word. Uh, I I get excited about uh, getting into the Scripture. There's a few things that stand out. Hopefully they stand out to you as well. One, we're going to find out what God is declaring. I mean, it's one thing to, to know and believe that God is, is speaking, that he speaks to us, that he, he's giving us counsel, that he's leading us, that he's guiding us by his spirit. Uh, there's something that God is declaring, the scripture identifies it, and I think it's a really amazing thing to, to identify and to embrace. Another thing that we're going to find is what God is equipping us to do. I mean, he's at work in your life. He, he's, he's doing things in your life, and that has a purpose. It's not simply a, something that he's doing out of obligation or out of boredom. You know, he makes all of creation. It only takes him six days. So what else has he got to do? Well, he's going to mess around and tinker with you. But there's purpose behind it. I mean, it's, he's got a, a, a purpose and, and a reason for his work in your life. We're going to see what that is. And then a, a third thing that we're going to find is what makes you different? What makes you different? I mean, we understand that we're all different. The more time we spend with each other, the more we can identify those differences and see those things and celebrate those things. But there's something that makes you different as a believer. And we're going to see what that is in the scripture. Uh, I'm I'm excited to get to that point. So one of the things we're going to do is jump right in. If you have your Bibles, you can go to the book of Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah chapter 42 What God is declaring, we mentioned we were going to find that. I want to see that here in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 42, I want to begin in verse uh, 9. I want to begin in verse 9. So the, the prophet is bringing the word of the Lord. When he brings the word of the Lord, this is how it sounds. He says, Behold, former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things. And before they spring forth, I will proclaim them to you. Now you can go through the, the, the next couple of verses there and find more details and information. When you get down to verse 13, you'll identify how this is going to pass. It says, the Lord will go forward like a warrior. He will stir his zeal like a man of war and utter a shout. Yes, he'll raise a war cry. Now listen to this last line. He will prevail against his enemies. So when I read this passage of Scripture and when I bring it this morning to to lay a foundation and a base for where we're going, the emphasis is on that God will do new things. Uh, We get stuck in routines and ruts. I mean, I go to to, uh, the same restaurants and I order the same thing. I I sit in the same seat. We're very much creatures of habit, and we fall into routines very easily. I mean, I can't believe how difficult it is to decide things like, you know, hey, where do you want to go eat? It's like, really? We really only go to like two different places. And then when we get there, why do we even look at the menu? Because we really only order, you know, one thing. And, but, but yet, it's hard for us to, to identify ourselves as creatures of habit until we actually take a look. What I see here in the scripture is it would be a mistake to think that God is a creature of habit. 
but rather he's always aware of what's going on, always moving in the direction in which he has ordained things to move, and he's bringing things into existence that are necessary. In this case, he's saying, old things have passed, behold, new things come. Now, you could very easily identify this as being a declaration of the coming Messiah, Jesus, and, and, and the work of the Holy Spirit, and that would be a very uh, an accurate way to look at this. I see God doing things in my life, breaking the past off of my life and reminding me that new things have come. Now, this might sound interesting because we just sang a song about how God never changes, and, and these aren't new things to him, rather they're new things to me. In fact, it bears witness with the scripture that if any man is found in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, old things pass away, and behold, new things come. So this makes perfect sense that God would be doing new things in my life. Now, this is why I want to lay this as the foundation. It's exciting to me to think that I'm not stuck with life the way it is right now. I mean, I want you to think about that. It's not meant to be overly transparent or, or awkward in any way, but there's a lot of things where I, I want to get better. I want to be a stronger husband. I want to be a stronger father. I, I want to be a stronger uh, a leader in the kingdom of God. I just want to grow and mature and become a better man. So the idea that I'm not stuck with the way things are is really encouraging. I mean, we, we can come to a point where we evaluate the way things are, and it can be discouraging. We can be in a place of frustration, a place of disappointment, maybe a place of hurt or wound or loss. And, and the, the depression that attempts to creep in is that that's how it's going to stay. The truth is God will break through those things and do new things. There are new days ahead, wonderful, exciting, and power-filled, victorious days ahead. I want to give you a passage of scripture involving how this comes to pass because I think it's important to not just know that it's coming, but to understand that God has done a powerful work to bring this into existence. There is a big difference between wishing and hoping, and God has equipped us to hope. I mean, wishing is, is to simply uh, desire something to come to pass where hope is anchored in a promise. I mean, if, if you needed a ride somewhere and you just simply stood out on the street wishing someone would stop and pick you up, you would be desiring a ride. But if I had told you, hey, listen, I'll be there, I'll pick you up at 5 o'clock, you would stand there and you would be awaiting the fulfillment of that promise. That's hope. It would be anchored in some sort of promise. We have hope. Our hope is, is in Jesus Christ, his words, that he'll never leave, he'll never forsake, that, that he'll always make provision. Every one of these names of God, and these are only a few that are on these banners around this room, all of these things inspire hope. That we don't simply wish for things to come to pass, but rather we hope in them. And we'll find what our hope is in as it concerns these new things that God is promising, that we're not defined by our past. Our present is not defined by our past. Rather, God has new things for us. We'll find this. I want you to look in Isaiah chapter 12. I want to look at a couple passages of Scripture. We'll, we'll get to the same point together. Isaiah chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. It reads like this. I will give thanks to you, O Lord. It goes on to say that your anger has turned away, and you comfort me. Behold, the Lord is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord my God is my strength and my song, and he has become 
my salvation or my victory. The last part of that scripture is pulled from what is called the Song of Moses. Now, the Song of Moses, we will sing the Song of Moses in the presence of God. It has a very eternal purpose. And I don't know if they have, you know, PowerPoint in heaven. So, you know, if you want to get familiar with the Song of Moses, it's in the scripture, it's in the book of Exodus, and you'll find it uh, spread throughout uh, the prophets as it's been called upon to communicate words that are true, much like we just read here in Isaiah. That this change has taken place, this turning away of, of bad times, this turning away of anger, and now we have the opposite, which in this case is comfort. That stands out to me as the word that needs to be identified. It needs to be examined. I mean, if this change is all the result of comfort entering into my life, I want to become more familiar with comfort. If God is bringing this change into my life, if things are going from anger, if things are turning from frustration, if things are moving away from disappointment, and they're moving in a direction of victory or salvation compared to even the Song of Moses declaring that God has overcome our enemies, I want to know what it is that makes that change, what it is that that pivots on, and in this case, it is comfort. So comfort is an interesting thing to consider. I mean, I'm sure... All of us use the word on occasion, you know. I mean, it would have a different meaning to each of us. It would inspire different thoughts when the word's just spoken and it's heard. I want to turn to the dictionary for a definition of comfort. I mean, if God is bringing comfort into our lives and comfort is making the difference between loss and sorrow and victory and celebration, I want to have a better understanding of comfort. So when we turn to the dictionary, uh, we, we find the word comfort, and you're going to find in, in a simple form, uh, the ease or freedom from pain, grief, or distress. That's the very simple definition of the word comfort. Ease or freedom, the removal of uh, pain, uh, uh, distress, or grief. Distress is, is a word that I don't use very often, but rather the word, we've shortened it now, it's just stress. So if you, we have stress, grief, pain, anything like that in our lives that's affecting how we feel, how we think, maybe it's the source of oppression or even depression in our lives, we can understand that the freedom and the relief of that is going to be found in comfort. I'll give you a passage of scripture from the Psalms, Psalm 71 verse 21. It's a, a, a declaration being made from the believer to God. It says, you increase my greatness and you comfort me on every side. I mean, you're making my life better. You increase my greatness. Things are moving in the right direction. We're on the right trajectory. Things are, are moving in the direction of victory and breakthrough. And it is because you increase comfort on every side. Comfort meaning you bring relief from pain, grief, and stress. I'll give you a passage of scripture here. I mentioned that we were going to find, you know, what God is equipping us to do. We're going to find it in this passage of scripture, but we'll find a lot more as well. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. It reads like this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and then now pay attention to how God is identified here, and God of all comfort, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions, now listen carefully, so that we will be able to comfort those who are afflicted. 
We can comfort them with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted. That's a mouthful. For just as the sufferings of Jesus Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ Jesus. I mean, this is a call for us to understand and know that God is at work in our lives bringing comfort or relief from pain, grief, and distress. And he's doing this for a reason and a purpose. That reason and a purpose is so that we can go and therefore do the same in the lives of those around us. The comfort that God is bringing into my life, setting me free from pain, setting me free from grief, and setting me free from distress is to equip me to go and liberate others who are suffering the same. And as you and I understand and, and, and consider this powerful thing that is comfort and why God is bringing it into our lives, it makes the calling and the purpose that God has placed upon our life uh, become more evident. Here's a great example of that. Now, this is from the book of Isaiah. Jesus quotes it in the Gospels, and it applies to my life and to your life today as believers. It's from Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. It's a declaration, and I want to read the first line and then make a comment. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because. I mean, I just have to stop right there and realize that, that what is about to follow is revealing why God would place His Spirit on your life at all. The Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Ghost, is in and active through my life because... It's the reason why God would put the Holy Spirit in my life, in your life, the reason why the Holy Spirit would be upon Jesus, our Savior. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. You could say the Lord has equipped you or given you what you need to, to bring good news to the afflicted, to, to heal up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of his vindication, to comfort all who mourn and grant to those who mourn, giving them a spirit of garland instead of ashes, a gladness instead of mourning, a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. Now here's the important, here's, here's the reason for all of this exchange. So that they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and then ultimately that he, that's God, may be glorified. God is glorified when we are separated from pain, grief, and distress. When it doesn't identify us, when it doesn't become the driving force behind our choices and decisions, but rather his comfort sets us free from those things, God is absolutely exalted and glorified. For my life to be a life of praise and thanksgiving, my life will be a life of the liberation that is the result of his comfort in and through my life. My choices, my decisions, my actions, all being affected by his comfort in me and by his comfort being released through me into the lives of others. That's the ministry call, the purpose that he's got on my life and on yours. When you consider this, you could make a list of it. You could see that it starts with, you know, uh, uh, bringing good news and making proclamation and, and healing. And you could make a list of these things and they all be separate. And I think that's a fine thing to do. But I see this list, and then I see it being summed up. This list is being summed up. You know, hey, bring, be a bringer of good news. Have you ever been around someone who's just negative? I, I'm, I am around some of those people, and honestly, there have been some days where I've been that person, and that's really unfortunate. Uh, but I've been around people before that were negative. Was it very desirable? <laughs> Probably not. But this call and this declaration on our life is to be the bringer of good news. 
the, the carrier of, of the gospel, which is good news, uh, proclaiming liberty where there's captivity. That doesn't mean waiting for there to be freedom, but rather making that proclamation even in the presence of captivity, being able to examine someone's problem and situation and not be defined by that problem or that situation, but rather proclaim to them what lies ahead in Jesus. Being that bringer of that hope, that anchor that can be leaned upon and that can be waited for with faithfulness. Ultimately, I see this list, you know, this bringer of good news, this, this carrier of, of healing and making these proclamations, and I see it being summed up with the word comfort. As if this calling and this purpose is upon our life to be the carrier of all of this hope, and it's all being identified as being those who would comfort the ones that are in mourning, the ones that are suffering pain, grief, and distress. And then that result, that so that, is found in the scripture here, so that they will be oaks of righteousness. It has an effect on our identity. And when you consider that identity and what that would mean, one that is strong and deeply rooted, one that is not easily moved, it's all the result of the comfort that is called to flow in and through my life and your life. Comfort is a powerful thing. I'll give you a passage of scripture here again from Isaiah to identify what comfort looks like, you know, what it does, what, what it not just feels like, but, but what it results in, and at least its description from the scripture. And it should amplify or magnify our, our perspective of how powerful comfort actually is. Uh, it's from Isaiah, Isaiah 51, I want to look at verse 3. Isaiah 51, verse 3. For the Lord shall comfort Zion, he will comfort all of her waste places, and he will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Now, if we're, we're not careful and we just read through this, it just becomes, you know, a, a good reading, so to speak. But if you pause and you think about it, you can see this exchange that's taking place and what it's taking place through. The introduction of comfort is bringing a change and a transformation. The introduction of comfort is bringing a transformation from dry waste places to places that are productive and fruitful. I don't know if you're gardeners in here, but I, I enjoy, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, gardening. I'm, I don't have a garden right now because where I live is 100% solid red clay. I should probably take up pottery instead of gardening based on where I live right now. But growing up, I was around gardens, and I raised my sons having a garden. I just always found it to be a great way to learn good work ethic and be productive. It was just a very uh, wonderful way to, to spend your time. But when you look at this, what you're seeing is something that produces nothing is becoming something that produces wonderful, nourishing things, all based on the introduction of comfort. I work around people, individuals. I, I see them in the world. They're filled, the city is filled with people, all kinds of people who are wandering around aimless. They've lost their purpose. They're unproductive. They're making bad choices and terrible decisions. And what I realize is I carry the solution in my life, and it's meant to be released through my life, and that's comfort. I can bring words of comfort. I can bring actions of comfort. I can bring relief to those situations just like Jesus brought that relief into my life. And that has the power 
to bring this change and this transformation, to take what is fruitless and make it fruitful. I want to read that once again, and I'd like for you to, as these words are being read, consider the change that's taking place. The Lord will comfort Zion. The waste place, the wilderness, will become like Eden. The desert will become like the garden of the Lord. Joy, gladness shall be therein, thanksgiving in the voice of melody. This is about celebration, celebration that takes place when things that were unproductive and absolutely wasteful become fruitful for the glory of God. Now, this is the work that God's doing in our lives. I want to give you a passage of scripture here, and we're going to move very quickly through these. God's at work in me and in you, and it's all by his spirit. John chapter 14, verses 26 and 27, identify the Holy Ghost as the one that brings Comfort. Jesus is speaking, and he says this in John 14. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the one that is sent from the Father in my name, he'll teach you these things. He'll bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I mean, what an interesting thing for Jesus to say. And you have to understand that Jesus never has a casual moment of conversation where what he says just is accidentally awesome. I mean, that happens to me on occasion, you know, where I'm like, man, somebody write that down because that was really kind of cool. But Jesus is speaking. He is the word of God. I mean, what he speaks is truth. And when he says this, these words are very intentional. He's identifying the Holy Ghost, the one that the Father will send in his name, is identified as the one that brings comfort, the comforter. And he'll teach us things. He'll bring to our remembrance everything that Jesus has said. I have to pause there and just think, why would that be comforting? I mean, why would that be comforting to me? But what the word says be true. That proclamation, declaration, this word of encouragement has power and an effect on my life to alter the thought process that's going on in my mind, to make change and transformation take place that will then result in tangible outcomes being different than they were before before. It's the power of the words that Jesus has spoken to us. I mean, listen to the words that he speaks immediately after that sentence. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, which is the result of, of compromise or domination, but peace that God simply blesses and imparts. He goes on to say, let not your heart be troubled and neither let it be afraid. These are the words that need to ring out in our hearts and in our minds when we're facing times of, of pain, grief, or distress. When we're reminded of all the things that Jesus does give us, all of the sudden, the voice of stress, the voice of grief, and the voice of pain is drowned out by the voice of truth. I'll give you another passage of scripture here concerning the comforter from uh, John 14. I want to look at verses 16 and 17. Jesus says, I will pray and I will ask the Father to give you a comforter, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and doesn't see, they don't know him, but you know him because he dwells with you and shall be in you. Now, this is a wonderful point of encouragement that this comfort is not simply uh, something that, that we are now living out our lives in desperate pursuit of, but rather that this comfort is being sent and imparted into our lives. That God's made a way by the Holy Spirit for this comfort to come into our lives and be effective and be powerful. In fact, if you continue to read there, you'll get to verse 18 and you'll find that Jesus says, I won't leave you as orphans. Now, 
we can kind of relate to what that might be like. Some of us may have lost our parents young. Some can only relate to that by, by trying to put yourself in that position. But that would be a very helpless position to be in. If you want to understand what life without comfort would be like, understanding that passage of Scripture would be helpful. If you have a King James Version, it doesn't say, I will not leave you as orphans. Anybody have a King James? You got one? What does it say? 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I mean, that's a really powerful thing to consider that the idea of being orphaned, the idea of being abandoned, the idea of being on your own is the definition of being without comfort. And everything that we have in God, everything that we have through Jesus is, is the opposite of comfortless. It's the opposite of being orphaned. Everything that is our relationship with God and his undying love for us is summed up and defined in comfort. That he would take us in, that he would give us his name. It's the reason why when Paul writes, he writes with excitement that his spirit cries out, Abba, Father, by the spirit of adoption, that he would have identity, that he wouldn't be abandoned. What a great promise. I will not leave you comfortless. I want to give you a, a couple more passages of scripture as we begin to, to close here. Uh, John 15, 26 and 27 says, when the comforter, that's the Holy Spirit, comes, I will send him from the Father. That's the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me. He'll testify also because uh, you have been with me from the beginning. Th this comfort is this reminder of who Jesus is. Our comfort, our freedom from grief, our freedom from distress, our freedom from pain is all coming from a comfort of being reminded who Jesus is, that our ransom has been paid, the highest price been paid to relieve us from all corruption, to relieve us from all bondage, to relieve us from all affliction, whether that be addiction or any sin or any captivity that would exist in our life. We have freedom in Jesus, and that is our source of comfort. So I want to close with this passage of Scripture, and it comes from Exodus, Exodus chapter 33. I mentioned before that we were going to find out uh, what makes you different. As a believer, as a Christian, what makes you different from the rest of the world? I want to find that identity here in this, this passage of Scripture, Exodus chapter 33. In Exodus chapter 33, you're going to see Moses engaging with God. They're having a, a conversation and in this conversation, a wonderful revelation is, is being released, not just to Moses, but also to us as we uh, look at the account. In Exodus chapter 33, beginning in verse 13, you'll see Moses speaking to God, and he says, Now I pray of you, if I found favor in your sight, let me know your ways so that I may know you. Let me find favor in your sight. Consider this too, that this nation is your people. And, and God makes a response, he makes a statement, and remember, this is not casual, it's not accidentally profound, rather, this is a truth response to what Moses is requesting and what he's speaking. This response is from God to Moses, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. That word is nuach, it means to give comfort. I will go with you and I will give you comfort. 
And then Moses speaks back to God, and he says, if your presence does not go with us, what he's saying is, if you don't go, if you're not there to give us comfort, he says, then don't lead us up from here. Don't let us take another step. I don't want to live a single moment moving in any direction that is without your comfort. If you're not going to do this, if you're not going to be there, if you're not going to give comfort, don't let us move one more step. Don't lead us up from here. Now I'm back to the scripture. For how can it be known that we found favor in your sight, that we are your people? Is it not by you going with us that we are distinguished from all the other people on the face of the earth? In this case, going with us is identified by the presence of God's comfort. I will go with you and I will give you comfort. I will give you nuach. I will give you rest. What separates you and me from the rest of the world, no matter what is going on, the lights can be going out. The fires can be being kindled. There can be madness in the streets. And because of the work of Jesus Christ, the steadfast love of our Father, you and I can have comfort. In the midst of total chaos, when all of the world is suffering pain, grief, and distress, we can be liberated from those things by being reminded of who Jesus is, who our Heavenly Father is, that we've not been abandoned as orphans, we've not been left comfortless, but that we have a comforter. And it's that that sets us apart. It's that that not only sets us apart, but then equips us to lead others in the direction of comfort. Because as we read earlier, that comfort introduced into your life is so that you can go and comfort those who are suffering affliction. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to offer a prayer, and I'm going to release you to be seated, and, and I, we're going to celebrate a water baptism this morning. But before we step into that celebration, I want to pray and I want to ask God to do something uh, on behalf of all of us here. I want to ask him to stir comfort in and through our lives, in our lives that we might be set free from distress and pain and grief that might be affecting us in our, our feelings and our thoughts and our decisions and choices. But the point, not simply to be free from those things, but then to be equipped to help liberate others. I want to pray and I want to ask God to do this by his spirit. There's no stronger, more powerful minister in this room than the Holy Ghost. There where you stand, you're welcome to be in a, a, a state of agreement or simply receiving. But I want to pray and I want to ask God to do this for all of us. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for your word. We thank you for comfort. Your promise to let your presence go with us that we wouldn't be abandoned or orphaned, that we would not be left comfortless. But let comfort prevail in our hearts and in our minds. Let the priority that you've placed upon comfort be stirred within us, that we would begin to see the reason for all of the schemes and traps to leave us suffering pain and distress, to distract us from the comfort that you brought. Let those things be exposed for the traps that they are, and let the words of the Holy Spirit ring out in our hearts and our minds, reminding us of the words of Jesus Christ that we're never going to be left, never going to be abandoned, never going to be without peace or joy, that we've never one moment of our life been void of hope. 
And let hope be stirred in us that we might lean upon it and stand upon it as a firm rock in all that we would do in response to your call upon our lives. Let us hope in all that is true. And let comfort prevail. We bless your name and we thank you. We thank you for the Holy Ghost. We surrender to his presence. We surrender to his words. We surrender to his leading. and We surrender, Father, to every aspect of the presence of your Spirit in our lives. And let your comfort prevail, that we would begin to lay down all distress, that we would begin to lay down and surrender all pain, that we would begin to release all of those things that your comfort would set us free from. And let us embrace the truth that you love us, that you'll never leave us, that you've paid the highest price for us, and that you have equipped us and called us by your name, that you have affected our identity, making us the saints, your sons and daughters, oaks of righteousness. Let that identity be embraced, and let us lead others into their identity in your kingdom through releasing the comfort that you have blessed us with through our words and our actions into their lives. Be honored and be glorified as we embrace your comfort and we release your comfort. We give you thanks and we rejoice in you. In the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared, amen. amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.